0: obviously there's only so much that you can be book smart about i think you have to get out and on the street and do like you know the day-to-day and just get out there and just you know like what your show says hustle you gotta just hustle and get out there and not wait for it to come to you
1: Hello, and welcome to the Hollywood Hustle Podcast, where we bring you the stories and struggles of artists climbing the ladder of success and how they survive the city of dreams, Los Angeles. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 19. I am Michael Lutheran. I'm the producer of the podcast. My host, Daniel Tuttle, will not be joining us today. He is actually down in Dallas, Texas, his home state. Uh, where he is enjoying a very much needed vacation and spending time with his family down there. The guy works so hard uh, making sure that this podcast happens and also working on his own creative ventures. So Daniel, from me, Team Hustle, and all of our listeners, we hope you're having a great time. And for God's sakes, we hope you're eating some really good authentic queso because we know you talk about it a lot on the podcast. So I hope you're getting a chance to have some of that and enjoy time with your family as well. For me, on my end, uh, not much to update for now, just continuing on with classes and having the chance to spend time with some of my own friends out here in LA and getting a chance to connect with them. Going out to see Spider-Man, hopefully, later on this evening. So it's always fun to just go out and see a movie and just going in knowing that it's going to be fun. It's going to be a great time, so I'm really excited for that. Just real quick. Uh, Some news happened non-podcast-related this past week, and Daniel and I just felt that we needed to speak to it. There was an artist who we lost this past week, uh, Chester Bennington of the band Linkin Park. I was so shocked to hear of his passing. Uh, Me, like many of you, I'm sure, out there listening, uh, Chester and Linkin Park very much was the sound and the voice of my teenage years I remember growing up into a man listening to Hybrid Theory and Meteora just always, you know, if ever I was in a state where I didn't understand the world around me, Chester's voice and his lyrics spoke to that same exact feeling and I think that's the power of music and our guest on the podcast today uh, goes on to say that music is the global language that we all connect to it and it has this amazing ability no matter where you are no matter how old you are that it connects with you and that it resonates with you we just wanted to express most heartfelt grievances and condolences uh, to his friends his his family and the families of Lincoln Park and just for all the fans out there it's it's a terrible tragedy we just want to put it out there if ever you need to talk to anyone about how you're feeling, if there's anything, you know, feels like you're coming down on you, just please reach out to us here at the podcast. Our email is hollywoodhustlepodcast at gmail.com. You can also contact us on our various social media streams. But we want this to be a resource for artists, not only as a means to show you the, a potential roadmap for you to hopefully follow and apply to your own success and your own journey, but we're also here to listen we're here to listen to you the life of an artist is not an easy one we are the writers and the expressors of feeling and emotion whether that's through music or dance or singing or acting or through the creating a shot through a camera lens we're all trying to find our way and also express our own point of view as we go on and so I I just wanted to take a moment and just offer you, the listeners, if there's something that's going on with you and that you feel like you just need a voice or someone to talk to 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 seek out support, please reach out to us. Again, our email is hollywoodhustlepodcast at gmail.com. We are here to listen and we are here to support you. Now, that being said, uh, we we do have a musician on the podcast today. His name is Eric Knight. He is an amazing singer, uh, songwriter, musician, business entrepreneur, and overall an artist empowerment guru. He is simply one of the most genuine people I've met here in Los Angeles. And I've had the fortunate pleasure to seeing Eric and his band perform Disciples of Babylon. And we are so excited all week on, on the podcast, we are going to be featuring songs by Disciples of Babylon because they have an upcoming album coming out later this fall called The Rise and Fall of Babylon. And we'll be featuring... Uh, some tracks on the podcast today with their music and at the very end of this episode we're going to be sharing with you the entire song called freedom Uh, it's fantastic i really hope you stick around make sure you get a chance to listen to them and to eric afterwards so without further ado let's jump in so in act one we learn how unsurprising it is that a son of a longtime musician grew a love and passion for music as well we learn about the music scene in miami How Eric created personas to manage his own band and, of course, his love for Kiss and what Daniel's Dave Matthews impersonation sounds like. Daniel and Eric also discuss Eric's move to Los Angeles and the depression that he faced when he arrived here and going through his own emotional and personal journey and how his new band, Disciples of Babylon, became his creative vehicle for change and for focus. During all this time he embraced the do it yourself mantra and applied it to his other interests and since then he's written a book he's started his own management company and a music business network this man does not stop so turn the amp up to 11 sit back rock on and enjoy our interview with Eric Knight take it away Daniel I
2: got a feeling,
3: Well, thank you so much. I'm here with Mr. Eric Knight, author, musician, entrepreneur, deliciously good looking human being of all sorts. Well, thank you. Thank you, Eric, for being here.
0: Thanks, Mr. Thanks Eric Knight,
3: days. ladies and gentlemen.
0: You forgot plumber, dentist, plumber, and stuff. dentist, man, man, man of all trades, <laughs> man of all trades, jack of all <laughs> trades, master of, Mr.
3: Eric of all trades, <laughs> Na- knight of all trades. That is, can, can you give me your best knight sounding voice?
2: Knight.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. a rock knight. A rock knight. Yes.
0: <laughs> is rock knight here?
2: Yeah! Yes.
0: Oh God, I hate that guy. I love that Dr. Pepper commercial that. with the uh, Prince-like uh, wannabe guys. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. That's the, the
2: sweet
3: one. Um, that's uh, um, uh, the guy from American's, America's Got Talent. The, oh, not yeah. America's Got Talent. Uh, um, not The Voice. What was the first? American Idol. American, American Idol, Idol was yeah. The, uh, Grineau, he, or the second guy. Grigini, whatever that guy's name yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't watching TV. Oh, well, I'm staring <laughs> at Michael like he knows, and he's just staring back. <laughs> I was on another planet then. I, <laughs> I just watched The Voice now. Well, cool. that's because American Idol's not on anymore. Anyways. So you're not from
0: LA. I'm not. I'm originally from uh, Miami, Florida.
3: Miami, Florida. How what, what is what is Miami like the what is the feeling of Miami?
0: Miami is uh, you know, it's an interesting place. Uh a lot of uh a lot of infusion. It's actually it's kind of like almost very similar to LA in a lot of ways because of the Spanish influence. There's a lot of uh it's a melting pot of uh, sorts. You've got people from all of South America, Brazil, uh, Argentina, all that, all those areas uh, coming in. And you have Central America, and then you have actually the Caribbean. So it's a big infusion of different uh, uh, people, and uh, it's a cool place. I mean, it's uh, really cool. Um, a lot of uh, music, a lot of Latin music and stuff like that, which, uh, um, which is something that I kind of grew up listening to of course because it's such a heavy influence there's a lot of rap and hip-hop that came out of there as well too so yeah it's a lot of it's a big melting pot like here in la so
3: that's very good. now where your parents immigrated from cuba correct
0: yeah they came uh to from cuba when they were very young uh and uh and yeah migrated here and then they met uh you know, they met while they were here uh, in in Florida, and uh, yeah, that's how that whole thing started. And so they didn't
3: they didn't immigrate together.
0: No, okay? no, no. They they, no, no. Okay. they, they, they came, came separate. separately with their you know respective parents and everything. And so uh, they both came. Uh, I think my actually my dad came when he was like a teenager. My mom was the one that came when she was very young, like f- maybe five years old or something like that. Right
3: so. now, they say the you know the, that old saying, "The sins of the father." Uh, I'm not saying father's <laughs> sins, <laughs> but I think that can correlate to other things, like your your father's past. In general, can affect you and affects you in some form of fashion, or inspires you in some form of fashion. Yeah. How you know what? How is their story inspired you and your music?
0: Well, um, just in general, Cuban people are just very uh, entrepreneurial and just very like wanting to make things happen, and uh, and I think that was kind of something that stuck with me. Uh, being you know growing up in a in a a household like that. And the other thing I think that they obviously gave to me, which was a big influence, both my mother and my father, they were very musically, uh, my father used to play uh, you know uh, guitar in, in bands around town and everything and uh, and my mother could have been a singer in her own right. She had an incredible she has an incredible voice but just was deftly shy. She just goes, "I don't know how you can get up on stage and play mm-hmm. uh, because I could not do what you do. So it's pretty interesting. It's,
3: it's crazy how many pieces I think for someone as a musician to get someone onto a stage Like it yeah. doesn't just take it's not just about talent. There also has to be this other personality to them that yeah. makes them, not that they don't get nervous, but it still makes you okay yeah. with being on stage. It's an alter ego. I mean, I,
0: yeah. I, I'm so consumed with comic books. I was a huge fan of comic books growing up and you know sci-fi and everything, and so... I think those reading those stories kind of lent into my kind of thing. And I did a little bit, even I've done acting as well too, to a certain degree. And I, I've been performing since I was like six years old. So uh, it's one of those things where it's like a lot of people, when they'll see me perform, and I think that's just, it's par for the course for a lot of actors and just performers in general that you do, it's like an alter ego. It's almost like, I know when I get on stage, people are like, I cannot believe that that's you. You just Because I'm so reserved in a lot of ways. And so when I get up on stage, it's just like what the hell is going on right with no, this absolutely. guy
3: <laughs> you know <laughs> um so how was music uh brought into your life and 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 when how old were you when you started kind of listening to the uh, uh rock and to uh, other types of music yeah
0: i think it was just like since i was born because of my father playing in the bands that he was playing with uh you know he played with this band called shango which was ironically it was a santana cover band if you're into santana and, and it's interesting because like years later santana actually came out like maybe 15 20 years later came out with the record called Shango, so it was just ironic that the name of the band was. Shango. Did he owe you guys money? Do we need to no, contact? No, no. The band broke up w- uh. well after that. But I can remember early on being a, a, an infant, just like jumping up and down in the crib because they would bring me to the rehearsals, and I guess they would bring me like literally into the room. And I just remember listening to this, and I think there's like some pictures of me somewhere that I, I actually have to dig those up of me like in a crib just. Like jumping up and down and listening to this music. <laughs> so I think it was early on that influence. And I just grew up in a house where there was a lot of music being played. My mm-hmm. mother, just a huge music fan, and uh, my father. So I just grew up, you know, just with that kind of in my blood right. kind of thing. And so, then it just, you know, expanded onto that. So this is a
2: constant yeah, in your it was life.
0: it was definitely a constant thing that was happening, and then it was one day I think I there was a video that I saw of uh, of Kiss that came on TV, and I saw these guys like in makeup and spitting blood and fire, and I'm like, what in the name of everything holy is going on here? And I was just completely floored because they looked like superheroes, and so at that time I was so you know into comic books and everything, I was like, man, these guys are like superheroes. And I was like, I want to do that, you know? And before that, I wanted to be a football player. I wanted to be like a football player for like the Miami Dolphins. Mm -hmm. I was like doing the whole, uh, we had this thing called Corey league when I was growing up and I was in those, uh, leagues and playing and stuff like that. So that was like my career path. But, and then I realized the reality of that and going, no, that's not going to wear makeup. and (laughs) sing in a high pitched tone. (laughs) Exactly. And sing (laughs) in a high pitched tone and speak of, you know, dragons and all that stuff but yeah um i i just realized at that point that's what i wanted to do and then you know i I remember being like in elementary school trying to put bands together and getting people together And and then we did actually we did kiss for the talent show we uh we did. We all got dressed up. My mom made you know, dressed me up as uh, Gene Simmons with That's red awesome. hair, with this flaming, with like That's even awesome. more flaming red hair uh, than this that I had. And uh, you know, we made like guitars out of like cardboard, and she wrapped them in aluminum foil. <laughs> Man, it was just epic. epic. Did you
3: did you actually sing, or did you was it a lip? It, it was a lip sync. Okay. It was
0: it was early lip syncing. Yeah, and
3: uh, <laughs> lip syncing before lip syncing. Before cool. lip syncing
0: was cool. And yeah, and so. Uh, and that's kind of what happened, and uh, I just got that bug, and it just carried into present day, you know? That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, it's
3: always nice when you can, I think you can figure out, like, this is when I realized I want to do this for the rest of my life. And, yeah. And especially people that realize it's so young and then just don't turn back, because like, it's just, that's there. Yeah. It's, there. it's in them. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, now, now, you have, uh, you talked about having that onstage persona. What was kind of that 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 process of finding that persona from 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 eric the the guy that everybody knows and that has the family and hangs out with family to eric knight the (laughs) the rock star on stage yeah
0: i mean it it just i guess it was just something that i guess evolved somehow you know as you start performing you know you obviously at the beginning don't know what the hell you're doing and so you're just kind of trying to get your footing and so I think it was just of years and years of performing and just getting better at it. I mean, like everybody will tell you as an actor or musician or artist, they'll say, you know, I was terrible and I, and I was terrible at the beginning You know, I'm sure, I mean, there's some videos out there that are probably really, really bad. That will be on Jay Leno one yeah. day. <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah. And so uh, it was just one of those things that, you know, I guess I had such a, you know uh i had like had a beeline approach as far as like wanting to do this so bad that i just uh i was a big student too of just uh music and musicians you know like what an actor does when they study their favorite actors or you know different acting methods and stuff like that and i i just became consumed and obsessed with you know knowing who was on the record and who played on that, who produced it and just, you know, that whole uh, background of, of learning every part of that I could. And I think that's what contributed to, the performing side.
3: Other than Kiss, who else? Who? Who? What other bands and singer-songwriters inspired you?
0: Um, I mean, my God, I mean, you know, newer bands. I, you know, they're not necessarily new, but like Muse, uh, Foo Fighters. I'm trying to think of uh, other bands. You know, Queen, all the classic bands. The Who, mm. uh, all these bands that that came before. Uh, you know, us are are just you know. You're still listening to them on the radio. There's a reason why Led Zeppelin, all these bands, they were just they're they're incredibly iconic, and it was uh, it boils down to their music. They just had great songs. Right, you
3: know? that's awesome. Yeah. Um. Now, uh, when did you form your first band?
0: Uh, I'm trying to remember. Your my first God, my band. first 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 band, probably like literally in elementary school, not the talent show one. But I actually <laughs> like like after we did that talent show, I was like all gung ho. I was like, no, I want to like put an actual band together. And I think I was just like hustling around the school there and just trying to find even friends that didn't even play instruments. It's like, no, no, you look like a good (laughs) bass player. You're going to play bass. You're going to play drums. And I was like, you know, corralling everybody into that. So had a few false starts with that. And then I think, you know, into junior high, I think I was like maybe 12 or 13 or something like that. And uh, a guy came up to me saying, Hey man, I'm putting a band together. Would you like to, uh, would you like to you know to join it you can be the singer i mean at that point i wasn't like necessarily dead set on wanting to be a singer uh and i said sure and we went started listening to some music and it was mostly just you know covering other bands and so uh we did that and uh and i'm trying to remember my god I forget what the name of that band was, but and then I that evolved into this other band, and it was called Assault. It was like, it was like, yeah.
3: It was. Please tell me, was that like late '80s, early no, '90s?
0: No, Yeah, I was like, I can't even remember, but yeah, it was. It was just like. Oh, or it, tactical vest. Yeah, then. exactly. And uh, but yeah, that that's what started that, and then um, that's what slowly led me coming into the other band that I ended mm-hmm. up in, and then I played with a couple of other. I mean, I played with bands that they were like twice my age and i was getting snuck into clubs and uh, uh, like in the middle then i mean it was just it was just crazy i was like literally like 14 15 years old walking into these bars and i would go up doing the set and i'd had to leave the club like right after so you're kind
3: of living this like alternate rock star st- like life where instead yeah. of like the hotels and the ladies it's just like weird like Getting into bars that you're underage for, exactly, and like people like get hanging out with probably older people, and exactly, with older people and yeah, more it was just people.
0: it was just crazy, yeah, and and I mean my my mother, man, God bless her, she like told, I mean because she knew I was like you know, I wasn't the drug type or any of that mm-hmm. stuff, but I just wanted to do this so bad, so she just like trusted me and let me do this but yeah i was walking in the bars literally like with you know guys 40 50 years and i was like what is going on here is just insane so
3: <laughs> excuse me where's the sage? the guy like exactly. leans over the bar i'm sorry who are you <laughs> yeah yeah was how, did, how did you get in here i'm with the band exactly literally with the band <laughs> I'm, I'm in the band okay kid i need you to go <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's awesome uh now you played several roles in a lot of these bands uh, uh frontman Uh, publicist booking agent yeah it uh, was it was fan club and manager
0: yeah it was only in the uh i was in another band that became quite popular in the area and uh you know at the time our management that we had was the same manager that had marilyn manson and there was another band called the mavericks that uh, became very big they're actually still they're still around they're like a country band but the singer is actually this cuban guy and he's like incredible incredible country voice And so we all had the same management company. And so, um, the band had become very popular. I mean, we were opening up for real big bands and, uh, we had a huge, huge following and, uh, what was the question again? Oh, I mean, you <laughs> I played totally. several different
3: roles. Yeah. Uh, oh. And, and in, so,
0: in yeah. And so what happened was this Matt, uh, the manager that, uh, we were working with great guy, you know, it just, it was something that it was, uh, we, f- I think we felt at the time we weren't getting the attention necessarily that we needed and that we wanted. And so we kind of parted ways and it was at that moment that I kind of got the bug. Cause I always had a a thing for the business side of music and how everything worked and the inner workings of, did you get
3: that from seeing your dad or was that? No, it
0: was just something that I, I just got the bug from and, and, you know, and I just wanted to know how everything worked, how records got to, to places and how, all that stuff was being disseminated how you know bands were getting onto magazines the publicity side of it Mm -hmm. so I just became fascinated with that early on and uh, I just started learning everything that I could about it but when this band when we uh, parted ways with the manager I just kind of took it upon myself to take the direction and just say okay I'm gonna start trying to manage this project and that's Mm -hmm. kind of how the impetus came for the, the management company you know years later right I actually used that name back then and then, you know, I decided to use it again. I was like, oh, this is actually a cool name. Make it into a company. Yeah, yeah.
3: So I just kind of want to go through these and kind of like, if you can just get an idea of like what you did yeah. with each of these parts to kind of, try to make that band successful Definitely. um so you played publicist what was your kind of what did you do in that? yeah role? i played the stuff?
0: publicist hat when i was wearing that role i was putting together press kits you know putting our photos together and uh uh
3: can you, can you just kind of go through what a press kit is just for yeah those you not
0: know? a press kit i mean now it's you're mainly like an epk and in, in, in today's terms obviously it's the same thing but it's just an electronic form of what would have been a physical press kit which a lot of people still use physical headshots or whatever but Typically a a press kit would be something that you would have a headshot in and it would have your bio and then press clippings for Mm -hmm. a band Mm -hmm. for, for, for an actor. It's probably your headshot bio and reviews. So it's very, so it's weird. Actors, I think, and singers have this parallel life that we Mm -hmm. live because a lot of the same things are going on and rejection and everything. But yeah, as far as publicity goes, uh, I would start sending out stuff to all, uh, the magazines, uh. At the time that were obviously geared towards that style of music, we were like a hard rock kind of project. And so uh, I would reach out to them. And, I, you know, I, I remember creating like this other persona. So like they wouldn't think that I was the, the singer guy from the band, because, you know, typically a lot of the guys don't want to deal with the band. Right. Right. They want to deal with the handlers. And so uh, basically I created this persona name and would start reaching out to them. And they're like, oh, yeah, send us the stuff. And then we just started getting write-ups. No, was this
3: Eric Knight or was this a totally different totally name? Totally different name. Do you remember what I, the name
0: um, was? I don't want to give it away okay. because – <laughs> Just in case you have to use yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. But just no, it was like some – Jack you know, Willoughby actually. Exactly, exactly. Jack Kerouac. No. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, so basically – I know Jack Kerouac. This is no Jack <laughs> This is no Jack and so yeah and so basically i started wearing that role and we started coming out on a lot of reviews and you know magazines started uh, putting us and so that started building our press kit mm-hmm. which in turn started getting us better gigs and you know it, it had this kind of you know domino yeah. effect
3: as a kind of a subplot, how did how did you get the magazines what was that did you reach out and go hey we're a band we'd love you to come see our basically show what i did you?
0: i i wrote up a, a a letter and uh would either email them and just saying you know i'm so and so and i hand publicity for the bands and you know uh we're interested in you know being featured and you know and i would look i would make sure to target who i was going with and Mm -hmm. and for anybody listening out there you definitely want to target you don't want to be sending you know a metal band to like a polka magazine or something like that it just (laughs) won't work (laughs) you
3: know i think it's the same thing with like kind of you said where there's that that similarities with uh actors and musicians where actors if you are or or even you know writers if you want to get an agent you want to go towards whoever fits you especially writers if you do more sci-fi you want to look for an agent that handles that that more that that, that's what they love and that's what they handle so i think it's very similar to that definitely
0: for sure so yeah so we would i would just look at the magazines look at the columns that they that we would fit you know they had a lot of uh up-and-coming columns like of bands like you know uh, the bands of the future whatever mm-hmm. their columns would be called and i would shoot for those and we uh we ended up coming out in this one really big magazine that came out and they did like this incredible review and it was just like man it just took off from there for the band it was incredible how one little tiny blurb mm-hmm. could change everything skyrocketed yeah i mean it really changed everything and started building up the band even more and you know you know, we ended up getting signed to EMI in Japan and our record came out in Japan. And, you know, I mean, a lot of really cool stuff came out of that.
3: Do you, um, now you, this could be also a question for like president also. Yeah. Um, Have you ever had like a really bad interview that when you read it, you're like, that, that's not what I said, and I, I didn't say it like that, or where they you know, kind of misquoted you—not misquoted so, you, but like warped what you yeah, said.
0: Yeah, I think I can't remember a, a, an act, an actual, for instance. But I know that it's happened where I've gone. Wait a minute, I didn't say that. But it's weird now because now when we do interviews they send us the questions and so we pretty much a lot of the times nine times out of ten we're writing them and so they just copy them kind of verbatim and they throw them up there right but uh but there has been a couple of times where that's kind of happened and mm-hmm. i'm sure it'll continue to happen <laughs> at some
3: point uh, michael make sure we edit this down quite <laughs> exactly a bit. Make sure, Yeah. Okay. Cool, <laughs> great. Right, uh, so okay you play publicist uh booking
2: agent
0: yeah. So booking agent. So basically I became the de facto booking agent for the band and it was just the same thing. I was using that press kit that I was building for the band uh, and reaching out to the clubs and the talent buyers for those clubs and venues and reaching out to them and just saying, you know, uh, you know, we're so and so and we're looking to, to book a night. And yeah, I just I, I ended up becoming planning every aspect mm-hmm. of like our shows and putting everything together, putting the creating the flyers. Uh, my dad was a big part of that because my dad and me were very are very into computers and stuff. So, he was a big uh, help in that whole area. And we started, you know, creating flyers and all that kind of stuff. Oh, that's so,
3: awesome! Now I'm, I'm guessing it's the same thing as going towards magazines. You want to find clubs that play
0: exactly, your kind of music. exactly. Yeah, yeah, we don't want to go to like a you know disco club and you know we're playing. <laughs> we're ready around. <to> rock! <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's that whole thing of like finding your niche and finding the areas that cater to what you're doing. And so that's. That's what we did, and uh, and so yeah, and and you know the thing was that we had with us, we had the ammunition, that we had a following, mm-hmm. and you know we had something going. There was a buzz about the band, so that right. opened a lot of doors for us already. Nice. So it made it a lot easier.
3: So um, the last section on this, I want to talk about because I think I find this fascinating because I think it's almost the. Original, almost not crowdfunding, but it's almost in that similar vein of of, of crowdfunding, minus getting money from your fans. The, yeah. the idea of being a fan, the fan manager, or the the uh, 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 fan club organizer. Um, a long time yeah. ago, they used to actually have fan clubs you right. could sign up for things, and they still have those in some ways. But you could send in your a letter and you get a membership card. Exactly. Yeah, like if you this. were like a
0: member of the Kiss Army, you could mm-hmm. send out a thing, and they would send you like these tattoos Hashes, right? that you yeah. can tattoo onto you and stuff and i mean it still happens today i mean we still have our fan club mm-hmm. like with the band now we have a fan club but it's obviously more on an, an electronic right kind of uh domain but yeah i mean they're still they still love physical products so you know we're right. getting ready like for our new record we're going to release a vinyl album and all these like limited edition things and nice. everybody still loves that stuff so. so
3: how was that being the fan club manager what was the that role like? that
0: was just like you know it was the same thing as it is today. Making sure, and and that was another thing that my dad helped us help me with was putting together our database. Like early on, like we were. Uh... Putting our database together on computers so we can, you know, mail out things uh, to people, and it's it's the same thing that's happening today. It's only just in a more electronic format. So it, I don't think it's uh, it's been a lot of the same. It hasn't really changed, mm-hmm. only the way that it's delivered. Yeah, you the, know? yeah the, the, the delivery the, device. The way you find it, also, exactly, right? and, and the way you consume it and find it. Yeah, mm-hmm. everything now is you, online. You get yeah. a
3: VIP blog forum where you can learn how he pets his dog. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so. Uh, so you have the business side of music And you have the music itself How do you keep those separate And don't let that become overwhelming Where it just Like two piles of clothes just piling Yeah I, It's warm?
0: hard because you're constantly playing Those dual roles uh, Particularly now with the new project That I'm managing That I'm actually in it's, uh, it's very hard Because you know When I'll be talking to the guys in the band It's like okay guys It's manager me talking now Like I literally will do air quotes and go it's the manager guy talking to me uh and so i get into that business mode and talk to everybody about what's going on and filling everybody in on the day-to-day of what's happening uh you know we have meetings periodically and so it, it is hard because you're you're constantly it's like you're constantly just switching hats it's like you know it's like when you're practicing or you're rehearsing okay it's like I'm in a musician mode and then all of a sudden I got to do the business side so you're constantly going back and forth so uh but I've always seemed to to like that for whatever reason I like juggling a lot of different things mm-hmm. and
3: uh Is it like going from Eric Knight to just Eric? Or just Cannon, Eric the, the manager?
0: Man. Yeah, I mean it it's but I can it, it's it's gotten I've been doing it for so long that you just don't even see the transition it's just mm-hmm. you know you'll see me going into the business mode of things, and then I'll snap back into the the other side. So
3: for those out there who are their own managers, that you know do kind of what you do in that sense, any advice for keeping it straight or keeping organized, or any tips in that? In yeah, that, in that I sense? mean,
0: as far as I mean, I would just you know, depending on what it is that you're trying to pursue, I would try to read everything on the subject, and and obviously there's only so much that you can be book smart about. I think you have to get out and on the street and do like you know, the day to day and just get out there and just, you know, like what your show says, hustle. You got to mm-hmm. just hustle and get out there and not wait for it to come to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to create the opportunities. It sounds cliche, but it's, it's true. It's not going to be handed to you. You got to make it happen.
3: Right. Absolutely. Now um, you, you had a solo album, I believe that later on, yeah yeah now when when did you kind of go solo what was that process well what ended up
0: happening was that band in florida uh broke up tragically it was like Mm -hmm. an episode of vh1's behind the music so yeah it was one (laughs) exactly drugs and all that (laughs) stuff so yeah it was one of those crazy stories and i went through and at the at the same time i had broken up with uh my girlfriend at the time. And so, like, everything was, like, colliding at once. It was like the world was ending. (laughs) But in a world. Uh, So, yeah. So you're not in a band anymore?
3: I'm done. Exactly. I'm done.
0: But, yeah, so what happened was I went through a very, very deep depression. I mean, like, extremely bad, like, to the point where my... Uh, they, they thought I was going to like take my own life kind of situation, which I wasn't, but it was one of those things where, you know, when I saw family members coming to visit me all of a sudden that I've never (laughs) seen that I hadn't seen in years, I'm like, Oh, you might know where my knives are. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Something's wrong here because I've, haven't seen these people in a while, but yeah. So I went through this, uh, depression for about three years, did not play music, did not like want to know anything about music of Mm -hmm. any sort. So, uh. It was very, very interesting time. And and so what ended up happening was like everything. It was just one day I just kind of woke up out of that coma and I was like, wow, I still love doing this and I still would like to do it. Um, I had so much vested into that project that I was in that had fallen apart. That's, you know, and then I lost a friend and it was just all these things that happened at once. And so I think when I realized that I did want to do it again, I I, th- I said to myself, well, if I decide to pursue this, I'm going to be I'm going to do it on my own under my own name, become right. a solo artist. So and then it wasn't an ego thing or anything like that. It was just something that I consciously wanted to do because I didn't want it to fall apart again. And I said, well, I'll be responsible for my own ups or downs or my own mistakes or any, you know, I'll be responsible mm-hmm. and take ownership of everything. And I don't have to worry about If it completely falls apart, I just keep moving forward. Or if somebody leaves my band, it's fine because it's under my name. I can keep moving forward. Right. So that's kind of how that solo career started. Did you go
3: by Eric Knight or did you have kind of like a dashboard confessional type thing? Oh, no, it
0: went under Eric Knight. I just decided to make it easy. So I just went under my name Mm -hmm. and released like two solo records. Uh, that did actually pretty well and uh you know the cool thing was is that i was in a uh, in a little bit of a position because of the band being so popular a lot of people wanted to hear what it was that i was doing right so that created an early interest so i kind of had like a head start on things and then putting the band together that I did there. A lot of the people around town there wanted to play with me because of the reputation of the other band. So I was very fortunate that I was able to kind of, when I decided, let me, you know, get this thing going, Mm -hmm. it was relatively quick to put it together. What was it like coming
3: back after like that three years of Um, being away from it? it, it,
0: It was scary because, you know, now you're doing this under your own name. So like everybody is like, obviously now going to look at this, you know, under your name and, and, you know, if it sucks it sucks oh. and if it's good it's you know it's good and so you know but that that part excited me about it because it was like okay i'm doing this now and i'm taking all the risk in this so uh all the risk all the reward or the failure or whatever and it, and it turned out to be good i mean I you know it, it got favorably reviewed um, the you know video got played on like mtv V two you know we had a, i had a bunch of really cool things that came out of it and you what know were got, the,
3: what were the names of the two albums?
0: Uh, the first one was called Near Life Experience, mm-hmm. like you know the whole idea of near death experience, right. and then the second one was called Fractured Fairy Tales. Okay, gotcha.
3: Yeah. I actually just listened to Fractured Fairy Tales oh, on the cool. way here. Oh, it nice! Was, it was awesome. Oh, cool! Thanks. I really Thanks, enjoyed man. it. Thank you. Uh, There's a lot of good songs in there. Cool, man. Yeah. Um, what? Uh, I'm trying to think of how to say this. Uh, you you were able to open for obviously several bands. Uh, from that how did that come about I think Dave Matthews band was one of them yeah I, I, ironically I enough this. Kiss when, it, <laughs> it, 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 how it, was that like yeah it came
0: full circle because it was like you know after listening to TV. this band yeah and I saw them on TV and just it was just like surreal and that's when they got back together that was like their reunion mm-hmm. tour I think it was like 2001 or something so was it the first reunion tour
3: third second yeah their
0: 50th <laughs> no it was the it was the first one that they had done when all the original members so I actually got to play with all you know oh, on awesome. the and so that was just a mind blowing I didn't get to meet them I had I I've met them several times in my life, gonna oh, okay. so, so you didn't get to meet but him? I didn't get to meet them that night because it was just so crazy because us opening, and there was another opening act after it was just mayhem. Was this so, during your solo? This is kind of, during my, my solo okay. things. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. But it was just, it was so rewarding for me. It just was like, my God, I can't believe I'm playing with these guys that were like my heroes.
3: Right. So take us. So, um, you, Dave Matthews was one of the people you were yeah, for. Uh, did you get to meet him? Uh, like
0: I got about? to, I got to meet him very briefly. Really cool guy. I've met him before too, outside of that, that night. But, mm-hmm. uh, uh, incredible guy incredible music right. I and mean, just
3: so nice to meet you exactly yeah he greeted me he agreed just agreed like, like that yeah <laughs> exactly um <shoo-ba-dee-ba-ba. laughs> exactly uh so <laughs> take us backstage so you're backstage uh, did you get to did you have your own kind of green room at one of these yeah i mean these you...
0: things were not yeah i mean it wasn't like they were rolling out the red carpet it was just one <laughs> and, and it was one of these things that i kind of hustled to get right I was to ask the, how they came about yeah too. uh they had a thing where they were having these uh, secondary uh things where they would have uh, uh kind of they were looking for local openers for some of these events and so Uh, Luckily, I think I knew one of the guys, I can't remember how it occurred, but I I remember that one of the guys that was at the venue was the guy that and I said, Oh, my God, I know this person. So I told them, Hey, man, I'm doing my thing. And I would, uh, you know, love the opportunity to do this. And, uh, and they, they told me, Yeah, let's, let's do it. And so it was one of those things where it was serendipitous that it happened and I was just like oh my god and so I ended up getting a few other times to open up for these other acts and it was you know it was incredible that's fine who was
3: who who was your favorite I mean other than kiss yeah uh, who's your favorite so far to open up
0: for um or to play with or it, know, it just at any time in my life yeah, anytime um you know. I would you know my god I, I obviously I the 13 kids in the bar <laughs> uh, I, I think aerosmith was cool I got yeah, to play obviously. with Aerosmith was really cool I mean that was a cool I mean they're, they're just a legendary that's yeah. like you Know.
3: And i hear steven tyler is like incredibly generous and yeah
0: nice. i've so, met him as well just not at I, it's weird all those <laughs> events that we played at didn't meet them there but i got to meet them in other nice. places but yeah, yeah i mean aerosmith they're just you know what can you say that's american that name yeah it's american rock and roll personified yeah, you know those guys
3: um so uh when did you move to los angeles around 2006 i believe uh from what from yes
0: 2006 but i was coming even earlier than that mm-hmm. uh you know, when the when I started doing my solo thing, uh, I was thinking about putting a band together. This is before I decided to move here permanently. Mm. And so what happened was I would fly kind of back and forth and uh, put these auditions together where I would come, fly in, do the auditions, audition all these guys, decide who it was, and then put the band, like my L.A. version of the band there. Mm. At that point in Miami, things were already kind of winding down for me. I, I got to a point there because... And don't get me wrong I again, I love the music because I grew up in it and I'm I'm Latino and all that stuff, even though I look completely gringo. <laughs> uh, they always tell me you've got the white privilege No, I don't but uh yeah they uh it was interesting because I got to a point there where, I broke every glass ceiling that I could in mm. Miami being a rock. You know, if I was doing Latin music, I would have been in the absolute Mecca because, mm-hmm. you know, so many acts and artists have come mm. out of that. Bras of that flying to the stage would have been happening. You would have been just <laughs> exactly all over it. So, uh, but since I wasn't, I realized, you know, I kind of did everything that I could do. And I just, I, I just knew instinctively that it was a dead end to stay uh, in Miami. I would have been trapped and it would have just been like, Nothing would have come out of it. So I realized I got to get the hell out of here. And I just decided I'm going to go to L.A. And it was like literally from one day to the next, I just made the decision I'm going to do it. And I should have probably come here even earlier. But, you know, it just everything happens for a reason. And so uh, I was flying back and forth, putting the band together. And then once I realized that everything was kind of done in Miami, Mm -hmm. uh, what ended up happening was I... I picked up this uh, thing that I saw online about uh, the school MI which is Musicians Institute here Mm -hmm. in Hollywood and they were putting uh, they were assembling for the first time a music business program and so I had already you know mind you at this point I had Mm -hmm. already done everything and I had been already involved in all these different uh, areas of the music industry so I kind of already knew what to do but I just wanted to be more legitimized Mm -hmm. so uh, the guy who headed up that program was a guy who was actually very instrumental and influential in my earlier band, the one in Miami that fell apart. Right. And uh, he really followed what I was doing. And, he and you know, I reached out to him when I found out that he was the head of the program. And I said, man, what's going on with this program I'm very interested in? It. And he's like, oh, Eric, you should come. We're You know, I think it was like their third year that they had already started the program. It was their third year in. And so I decided right there, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get into the program. Mm-hmm. And so I went, signed up. Look if I could get the loan, and I got the loan. I got approved for the loan. And I said, wow. So I, at that point, that was my the catalyst for me, like saying, that's it, I'm going. And now right. I have to make the the firm plans on right. you know moving. What
3: was the preparation like for moving here? Obviously the MI stuff, but like, yeah, kind of how did you prepare? I, I think I yourself? prepared like.
0: that very night I'm the kind of person that I'm so like crazy like when I get something into my head I think I must have stayed up the entire night and I planned Mm -hmm. a year in advance in that one evening (laughs) I literally stayed up all night and I said I gotta do this I gotta do that so you set
3: yourself a nice goal of like exactly in a year yeah
0: I mean it wasn't like I'm leaving tomorrow (laughs) but it was like a year but I planned it like literally the, the, the the catalyst of the entire plan was done in that evening and uh it was exciting because at that point, I felt like, okay, now, now I feel like this is the next step in my career. And the other thing was, is that, you know, a lot of people don't realize, I mean, I just started again from zero. It wasn't like I was coming from the scene where people knew who I was. I was literally starting over from mm-hmm. scratch, but that really excited me because I felt like I, I know I can do this, you know? Yeah,
3: absolutely. Um, so you come to LA, Yep. Um, you kind of settle in. What were the first immediate things you noticed that were different b- between L.A. and Miami.
0: It's just funny. I'm hearing you saying this, and I'm hearing the, din, 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 din. you know, like, the welcome to the jungle <laughs> scene, and I'm coming out of the bus. Uh, Do you know where you are? Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, you were saying what were the first things. That, like
3: what, 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 what were the immediate, like, differences you noticed between, like, in feeling and in culture and look? Well, like, between I had LA already been
0: LA. coming here since I was so young that I already kind of had the vibe of what L.A. was, and I, I loved it so much that it was almost like it – there wasn't any kind of culture shock uh, and, and especially being from Miami, you know, we live in such a, uh, ethnic place here in LA. It's a, it's another melting pot, right. you know, it's just with different sets of people from around the world. Uh, and so it was very easy for me to transition. Uh, and, and I just loved it here and just the weather and just, it, there's an electricity when you're here. And, uh, and I think, you guys you know you guys are in the arts too can feel that and i mean it still for me hasn't gone away i mean obviously people get jaded here and you get into the whole la rut of things if you let yourself get into that Mm -hmm. uh which i haven't i'm just always like constantly trying to move forward and i'm not looking back so um but it's easy to get to get fall you know to, to fall into that trap but uh for me it was a very easy transition i just got here and i hit the ground running Was there
3: any difference, especially, I think, in in the sense of, like, booking, you know, shows and things like that? Did you notice any difference? Well, it was, was yeah, it
0: was definitely a whole different scene here. I mean, the the great thing was is that there's so much more opportunity here. Just as a musician, I think, as an actor, anybody in the arts can come here and just drop themselves here and go, Mm -hmm. wow, I've got a million more options than where I was coming from. So Absolutely. And so that was already, for me, a plus. The obstacle was that I was starting from zero again. So nobody really know who the heck i was and so i was basically starting over and building that whole thing up again so um it was it was hard initially i mean i was just you know you're running into those stumbling blocks and trying to book shows and then you find out oh it's pay to play here you have to pay to play to play your shows and and i was like oh man i'm not going to be doing that and so it, it was just uh it was just taking the tools. It was almost like I was, I was in college when I was back in back home in Miami and with that band and learning everything. And then here I graduated university and now I'm out in the real world. So that's kind of like the approach that I took of, you know, right. how I approached it here.
3: And you, you moved here by yourself, correct? Yeah, I moved by um, myself. What, I mean, how, how was it like, did you ever feel sometimes just kind of lonely and just feel like
0: I definitely, yeah, I definitely had uh, there was a, a moment when I uh, when I was finally settled in here and uh, I think th- this is another tragedy another tragic moment in Eric's life uh, uh, another girlfriend
2: dumps Eric
0: yeah so it was one of those situations
2: that's,
3: uh, if you're counting at home that's, that's two that's
0: 17 no, uh,
3: <laughs> by that time that's 25
0: yeah exactly but yeah so it was one of those times where uh, I had just broken up with the person that I was seeing at the time and you know, I'm a very family, super family oriented person, you know, I love my, my family and stuff. And so what happened was when I, when that, that time happened, it, it like hit me all at once. At first I was like all fired up and everything was cool. And it was just like, from one day to the next, it was just like depression set in, it was just like really bad. (laughs) And I would, I, I, I literally almost packed my bags and went back home. I was that, I was that close to going back and just something, I forget something happened uh, the day that I was thinking, I'm like, screw it. I'm going to go back. And something happened. There was something that came up with a gig or I, something happened. I can't Dave remember. Dave Matthews song. Came it, on exactly. Radio. And I started, yeah. And I was tearing up and I was like, <laughs> I got to do it for Dave. Uh, and I did it. Thank
3: you. Aaron. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So it was something that happened that day. And, I, and, and it just jarred me back into the reality. I'm like, no, this is why I came here. Mm-hmm. Why am I going to go back to Miami? It's like, There would have been nothing. I mean, I love Miami. There's a lot of things that I miss about it. But it would have just been such a cataclysmic failure for me. So there was something that just triggered in my head, and then I just snapped out of it. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I was cool. Gotcha. Okay. I I was running up the steps, and it was...
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um.
3: Cool. I think we just started a band, guys. Uh Uh-oh. I think there's a bromance bro in here. <laughs> um, when, so between Miami, did you notice a change in your music and how your music was inspired between L.A. and Miami? Did your sound change any here? Did you um, feel like any pressure to change your sound? No,
0: I mean, I I just kept doing my thing. I mean, I'm sure it had some influences. My experiences that I was happening was influencing mm. my writing lyrically uh, that was happening. And so, I yeah, I mean, I'm sure it did affect it to, to some degree. Mm. But... Uh, I'm not sure. I never really thought about that, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure it had some impact that, mm-hmm. you know, so. right, right.
3: Okay. Um, now you, uh, you've done a lot of things since you've been here. Uh, obviously, yeah. uh, you formed a new band. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the new band?
0: Yeah. Uh, the new band's called disciples of Babylon and it was actually, you know, it was another thing where I, I, I had missed being in the band that I was in back in Florida and, mm-hmm. uh, And I missed the idea of that camaraderie of being all for one, one for all, and we're all in this together. And uh, even though it was great to be on my own, doing my own thing as a solo artist, I kind of missed being in a band. That's what I originally got into this for. I wanted to be part of a band. And so the idea for Disciples of Babylon had been like ruminating in my head for like seven or eight years. I mean, I had had that idea for that band and, and I just never acted upon it because what ended up happening was, is when I got to L.A., I got real heavily into the business side, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that now, mm. but to, to answer the thing with Disciples was uh, something that I had in my head of, like, what the ultimate band would be, like, the ultimate, like, in my head, what I thought would, would be that band, and... Uh, Uh, you know thought about it but i just never did anything and and one day i was just on my facebook like everybody does going in their facebook Mm. feed checking out what everybody's doing and what see everybody's eating and everything Mm. and i i pull up this video and it's this guy uh which became my guitar player and he had this video that he played of him doing you know like from his apartment just playing like this guitar solo from this band and i was just so floored i was like Mm. man this guy is incredible. I mean, he had the feel, but he had the look and you know, I wanted this to be again the ultimate idea of what my band of a band would be. And so I was so floored with what I saw that I immediately, uh, wrote him a, a message on Facebook and I said, Hey man, do you, you know, do you want to get together for coffee or something? I'd love to talk to you about an idea. And I, it was like, literally at that moment, that's how spontaneous it was. It's was like, like, I'm going to act on this right now. Kissy
3: face, heart emoji. <laughs>
2: exactly.
0: Exactly. And that, and that's how it started. I just watched that video and I, and I'm a very kind of, I, I think I've got that from my mom. She's mm-hmm. very, uh, I think all our moms are very, uh, have that intuition, that motherly intuition. Mm-hmm. And, uh, And I just, at that moment, I just knew, I go, this is the guy. And I already knew, I can already envision, I can already envision the end result that we would be playing in front of a lot of people. We would be writing great songs together and it just, and it just happened. And then, you know, we had our meeting and I told him, look, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to put like literally the biggest band in the world together and, uh, you know, rattled off my influences Mm -hmm. and told him, you know, my ideal thought of what the band should be. And he was like, man, I'm totally on board let's do it and then that's how the whole thing started that's fantastic
3: yeah. um, to, to bounce kind of off that been to, I think I asked this earlier um, you know solo and band uh, I kind of it's kind of a two part question so the first part would be what in, in your experience what are the main differences for you in dealing with a band and being in a band and then doing the solo stuff like what are the what makes it easier what makes it harder
0: I think uh, the biggest difference is that the solo artist it's everything is riding on your shoulders Mm -hmm. as opposed to a band where you're kind of sharing in that responsibility to Mm -hmm. a certain degree Uh, and then I think uh, you know The same thing with the performing side of it, you know, the hardest thing is that you have everything riding on your shoulders. It's your name on it as a solo artist. So if you suck, it's like, Mm -hmm. wow, that guy really sucked or, you know, versus the band of the band. So it's one of these things where it's I think it's a lot more pressure because you have a lot more to prove. Right.
3: Um, Okay. so the second part of that is focusing more on the band aspect. Talk to us about like being in a band, like living in in the band like the 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 intricacies the difficulties the the good times the bad times yeah walk us through like what is that experience the
0: good i mean you know it's the cliche things that you hear every band uh member or musician talk about it's like you're in a marriage it's like you're in a relationship with like two three four whatever how many people are in the band and the the fortunate thing with this band is that everybody thank god uh is is such a good person there's such good people that uh it's been an absolute pleasure you know and that was one of the things going into this is that you know I learned so many things from the first experience of the band that I was like man I will never do that again of course you get a little bit older and you have more experience and all that stuff um and so it was like what would I not do with this project and so it's been an absolute pleasure luckily they're they're you know these guys are just real easygoing guys and just we just all want to play music and just mm-hmm. want to get up there and play so but the uh, intricacies of being it is that you know you're you're constantly having to you know think about everybody so me being the manager and the guy in the band it's you're you're constantly you know trying to make sure everybody's happy everybody's you know i i i really made an effort with this project and uh Uh, to make everybody have a voice in this. This is not about me. This is, for me, it's more about them. I want this to be more about their experience because these guys are, you know, a couple of them are immigrants themselves. They have come to risk everything to come to this country to uh play here uh and to to do and to live their dreams so for me it's almost like this thing that i wanted to be successful for them you know more Mm -hmm. so than for me absolutely so uh so yeah i mean it's a thing of uh every day it's just a new learning experience i mean obviously you know there's there's disagreements and things like that. But for us, it's just been it's it's been so different. I just cannot tell you how fortunate I am to be playing with these guys.
3: Do you have a particular way of handling disagreements? Uh, which means do you all just sit yeah. down and kind of discuss it? Or is there like a yeah. majority vote type I thing? I mean, it,
0: yeah, we sit down and we discuss things. I mean, you know, and, and it's gotten... We've had a couple of heated things that have happened, but it hasn't been like this, like, you know... Mm. Don don don. Yeah. The band is over. You know, it's been. It's <laughs> no it's been,
3: kicked over a, a music stand. Exactly. And out. Like screw this, man. <laughs>
2: I'm uh, going solo. Exactly. I'm you already solo. did it. You already did
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah. Go, I'm, I'm doing it again. <laughs> I'm doing it again. Uh, yeah. No. It, you know, you have disagreements, and it's just um, it's just a fine line. I mean, you know, we're all adults, and I think uh, all the guys are at points in their lives where you know like I said, we just want to do music and and, and we know that we have something very special with this Mm -hmm. project that's happening. I mean, there's actually something that's tangible that you can sense is happening. So I think that's what's, you know, keeping us together and everybody loves each other in the band. I mean, I, I have nothing but like the utmost respect. These guys are like, some of the most amazing musicians i have ever played with in my career they're unbelievable that's and they're fantastic. just good people so it's like a bonus when you have not only great people but right. great talent you know that's fantastic yeah.
3: um i want to talk about a uh, uh, persistent management yes uh, that's your management company um you like that name that's i what's well, per, <laughs> persist
0: persist
3: <laughs> no no you're gonna
0: play you're, oh you're gonna play <laughs> and, you're and gonna you're play gonna tonight keep playing. exactly
3: um so how did that come about? I mean, obviously you've talked about having kind of that uh, uh, that knowledge of the music industry and yeah. being a manager already. And how did the, that company come about? What was the steps and kind of what was the first parts of that company? Yeah, that
0: that the the original origin origin was with the band from Florida. I actually had that name from back then, mm-hmm. and I just kind of tucked it away, and I just kind of forgot about that, and I just I, I didn't go out thinking I was going to start a management company. It just Again, it was another thing out of necessity for Mm. myself. Originally, it started as like a vanity company for for me, the artist. Right. And so, um, I put that together, and to kind of keep myself separate from the artist thing, and you know, inventing my character names and all that stuff. The you know, all the private names, which will which will (laughs) seek to to be keep. Signor
3: Hannaby. (laughs) Exactly.
1: I think we need to come up with our own. Oh, I think so. Definitely. Dirk Diegler, you know, all those names. (laughs) Uh, Jeff.
0: Contraband. Exactly. Right? That sounds like a fake name. Yeah. So <laughs> I'll be Michael Catholic. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, uh, so it became out of a necessity. I started it as a vanity company. But and then what I ended up discovering was, you know, I had a lot of friends that I was either playing with or just that I knew. And I was like, man, these guys are just so extraordinarily talented. And, you know, me, when I was coming up, I didn't have that person that would guide me or that was telling me, hey, you should be doing this like a mentor, you know. And uh, and so I felt like, wow, you know, I I I think I I get excited about taking something from nothing or from where it's at currently and then molding that into something that is greater than what it was, you know, bringing it from point A to point B. And so. I had these friends that I was like, my God, these guys are just amazing, but they don't have a handle of how things work and how the mechanics of everything work. So not through their fault. But, you know, most musicians are not like me that just are crazy weird about being into the business side. It's very rare that it's more prevalent now. You have people like Sean Combs, Jay-Z, a lot of guys that are more on the business side of things, which is great now but there's still a lot of people that just don't want to deal with that. They don't want to have anything to do with form. that. Exactly. And so um, I kind of became like kind of their mouthpiece, their kind of, you know, form to be kind of take them on. And so, yeah, I started taking on uh, bands and I, and so I decided, I go, wow, I'm going to make this like kind of like a full fledged thing. I had graduated from the school and uh, I had gotten a gig uh, working for Universal uh, on the, on in a management p- side of, uh, of the company that was happening at the time. This is like back in 2008, 2009. Now is it universal music or universal, universal okay, music? Okay. And I ended up working with a very big manager. They, basically at that time, a lot, you know, you have I don't know if you've heard of this term, but there's a term now when band sign deals is 360 deal where, uh, basically bands now are, are giving a piece of everything to the label. So mm. because there's no record sales anymore and right. there's no, you know, physical really, it's like a lot of streaming now, uh, Labels have to find different ways on how to make you know, money, make money and, and screw the artist to, to a lot of degrees. Well, it's always and, number one. Exactly. And so, you know, and so there's that side of it. And so basically the 360 deal just kind of takes a little piece of everything. The merchandising, the publishing, any kind of ancillary incomes that come out of that. Mm-hmm. They, they uh, you know, they get a piece of. And so at that time, a lot of labels were starting to have their own in-house management uh. uh you know kind of Group. divisions mm-hmm. into the label system and what they wanted to do was kind of woo some of the artists out of their current management things and bring them into this new management thing so now they would have they would have a piece of everything not not only are they taking everything now they're taking right. management side too so you know there's always positives and negatives with that so i ended up getting this gig with uh, this guy who was uh, shakira's manager like he was oh, shakira's manager for a very long time and and it was the latin thing so which is which is a funny story because you know, I left Miami to get away from that whole thing. <laughs> and I always like, I always uh, quote the, uh, Al Pacino from a uh, Godfather three is like when they pull me out, it's like when they pull me back in that famous scene where yeah, he's yeah. like, every time they're, I I'm keep, trying to get out, keep, they, they pull me back, back in. me back in, they pull me back in. So I got this gig with this universal thing, but it was like, I wanted to work on the Anglo side on the American side of things. And, uh, And I was like, man, I'm like, God, I just left Miami to get out of this. And I'm like, right back in this crap. What's going on? But, and this is another lesson for your listeners that, um, because I wanted to quit. I literally got that job. And I I was calling my dad every day because my dad is like my conciliary. There's Mm -hmm. always these godfather references Mm -hmm. with me and my father. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, I called him and I go, man, this is the lamest. I can't believe I'm in this again. I, you know, I didn't come here to do this. And then my dad just, thankfully, my dad, I, I listened to my dad because for like two weeks I was quitting. I was literally mm-hmm. like, I'm just getting up. I'm getting the hell out of here. But I would stay. And my dad says, just stay and see what happens. It can't hurt, you know. Right. And so that little gig that I took on uh, working with this guy ended up turning out to open so many doors for me. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I ended up working with the guys from Maroon 5, Rihanna. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, all. I mean, Lionel Richie. I mean, just like all these huge, huge artists that would have never happened right. if I wouldn't have taken this little gig. It opened up so many doors for me. So the lesson that I learned there was to not say no sometimes you know you have to know when to say no but when you're up and coming and things are going you have to just take every opportunity because you just never know what's going to happen i
3: think it goes back to like making the opportunity exactly you know even in like the the writer system or the the entertainment system you know you start off a pa you you have to you get people coffee you do their laundries if you're a personal assistant if you're a writer's assistant you get their coffee you write notes you type up the notes you know you, you, you do whatever they need but if you keep looking at it like, oh, I gotta get this guy coffee all the time and right. gotta do this, then of course it's never gonna work out. Right. But if you look at it as, this is an opportunity for me to learn, yeah. so instead of just being complaining all the time, then yeah. open your ears and then go, well, if I'm not getting coffee, I can sit here in the writer's room and hear them talk about how to put together a story and how to yeah. set up an episode or how to do, you know, if I'm a PA and I'm not really Or how to anything. look to see
0: how the process is working yeah, yeah. from that where nobody's like looking at you and you're mm-hmm. like, okay, Mr. So-and-so, here's your coffee and I can look at what's mm-hmm. going on.
3: Well, you're building relationships. Exactly. You're, I mean, so, and you're building that trust. If they can trust you to get them coffee, right. Then they'll trust you with the next thing, making copies. Yeah. they And trust you making copies, and they'll trust you going and buying office equipment. You buy, you know, it's just that the next s- thing you're s- running Paramount. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One year later, because <laughs> it happens so quickly.
0: But you know that that gig. Uh, another thing that I forgot to mention. What mm. happened was. One of the label managers at the label that I was when I was at Universal, he came up to me because he knew I was in a band. He was a real big Kiss fan too, mm-hmm. so we're always like talking about Kiss, you know, listening to all this like Mexican mariachi stuff going on in this and that, and we're like listening to Kiss in our offices and stuff. <laughs> I, was and, really, I thought
3: you were gonna say Mexican mariachi. Co- pair like covers of kiss songs oh, like, no, no 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 find... no which are which are incredible if you hear metalachi
0: <laughs> have you ever heard that band no. like they do all these like crazy that, oh, that, oh, oh yeah but uh yeah so what ended up happening was the label manager came up to me goes eric you're a musician aren't you and i said yeah he's like can you put a band to i mean like this is just completely random they said one of their artists is coming from spain that had just released a record and they're doing a promo tour. And we need a couple of musicians. And can you put this band together? And I was like, oh man. And so I. That's what like, I do. That's what I do, dude. <laughs> and I literally got on the phone and I called my roommates, which mm-hmm. were the guys in my band, right. of my solo band here in LA. And I was living with them. I said, guys, this is going to sound completely insane. We literally have two days to learn like three songs and we're going to be. We ended up uh, doing this show that was like at the time and this is like 2009 maybe uh he was like the uh spanish jay leno and we were at the universal studios studio like literally three days later playing on this huge uh stage sound stage and we performed with this girl and it was insane and so what ended up happening this job that i told my dad i'm i'm gone from this Mm -hmm. and he told me stay 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 ended up opening up all these opportunities and every time they needed a a band they would just call me and i started becoming like the guy that would put all these bands together and i would play in them too so i got to play with all these famous famous artists and so it opened up in a weird way it did bring me back to the latin thing but i ended up knowing all the executives of universal which i still have a lot of relationships with now to this very day Mm -hmm. it opened me to a completely you know separate genre from the genre that i've been trying to have success in right so now it's like it's opened the windows of opportunities and they've kind of mishmashed in, in weird ways too so again don't say no to an opportunity don't be like me that wants to run away because i almost did and <laughs> it, it changed i mean that changed everything i mean to this day i still get calls yeah. for things so Absolutely. it's really cool
3: that's it now how many bands do you manage right now
0: Uh, really just now is, is the disciples project. I have another partner, Keith, which, uh, manages another great, uh, Americana artist, Blake Nix, that that's some really good things are happening with him. I kind of toned, I, I kind of, uh, the roster kind of trimmed it down because of the things that were happening with the band. I, I decided because I'm so, uh, conscious of like not wanting to, uh, waste people's time that i would hate to take on a project that i couldn't give my full time and energy to so a couple of the bands that i was working with we kind of parted ways amicably nothing bad happened or anything like that but it ended up happening that it turned out to be the blessing in disguise because you know now i can focus full time on what's going on with uh this project. So right now, I mean, eventually we will grow the company. I, I definitely want to make it one of the biggest premier kind of management companies. Mm-hmm. And I want to work with all types of creatives. I work with another director who's a Hollywood director who does a lot of stuff. And so I want to work in all areas of managing talent from all different types of media and stuff. Oh, that's so fantastic. the eventual goal. Yeah.
3: Awesome. Now you're also writing a book.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I This book has been for a long time now, but I'm planning to like this year. It I probably won't be out maybe till next year. But mm-hmm. it's uh, just talking about what I've learned uh, and how to basically how to give the tools to a, a, a new artist or a new band to get them to be able to manage themselves. They don't necessarily because everybody's like we get so many tons of requests from from bands and artists from around the world saying manages, manages, manages. And man, you can do this on your own, you know, for the time being, there there's a time where I think when you're up and coming, you can do this on your own. And I think it's a good lesson for you to learn all the aspects of the industry and how it works. Uh, I'm really big into education and empowering artists and stuff. And so for me, it's one of these things where I think, you know, when you're starting out, you should be doing it up to a certain extent on your own until the point where you're having success and things are starting to happen, then managers and agents and things. And, and the bottom line is if you're making something happen, they're going to come knocking on your door for sure. Right, No absolutely. matter what's happening, they will find out. about it.
3: Now uh, the, the book, like uh, you said, it'll be available next year. Um, is it discussed kind of the music industry as it is now, or is it a comparative? Book yeah, it discusses counts? the,
0: I mean, the industry is shifting that by the time, probably when that book comes out, it'll probably be outdated. I mean, mm. it's just hard because the, the, the industry just like, you know, mm the movie industry is just constantly changing and evolving. Right. Uh, it's something to where, you know, there's only so much you can say in the book. But, yeah, the, the perspective that I'm coming from is how things work now in the industry today and what are the tools. Some of the some of the basic fundamental things have not changed in 40 or 50 years of the music industry, you mm-hmm. know, as far as, like, how to do things and how to get your press kit to it. I mean, the idea is, is that you want everything to look really great if, right. you know, You got to think of yourself that you're competing with everybody as an actor. You're competing with every actor that's out there. (laughs) I know. I know. Dun, dun, dun. I just—I
3: gla- I forget that people can't see us in this audio format. I just glared at Michael Lutheran. If you're wondering why he's saying, "I yes. know, I know." Oh, I, oh,
1: I'm sorry. I'm I'm his manager. My name is Michael Catholic. Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Don't confuse I'm us. waiting
3: for Michael Presbyterian to be here. Michael oh. Presbyterian.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's one of these things where some of the fundamental things and aspects about uh, doing things have not changed. So as long as you're kind of doing that and at least building on those building blocks. But I think everybody should be empowered to kind of take it upon themselves. Absolutely.
3: Um, Okay. So uh, two more, I guess, things, Uh, uh, symbiotic nation.
0: Yeah. That's a project that's still, it's such a big project that it's, it's way beyond like, Anything that I can possibly put my hands on now. <laughs> well,
3: you're gonna say that I could possibly explain. Yeah, it, it is. Stop, well, just stop talking. Yeah, the idea exactly. <laughs> it's so
0: big. I'm not gonna say anything else. But no, the idea behind it—it's it, something that hasn't come necessarily to fruition yet. But the idea is, you know, the whole idea of symbiosis, where two—you know—the scientific term where two—you know—things benefit from each right. other. Uh, The whole idea came from that concept. And, you know, my idea is to build a network of different companies in different areas of media, whether it's, you know, comic books, whether it's uh, music, uh, film, television, literature, all that kind of stuff, and kind of build that into uh, one kind of big thing and where each one of them is sharing off each other and benefiting from each other. But, yeah, it's something that it's been a long project, but it's something that's still developing. It's still developing. Yeah. We'll, we'll
3: we'll keep, we'll keep people updated on it. Just keep us updated and we'll let up know where that's at. Um, and one last thing, music business. Tell Yeah, he's he's involved with a lot of things folks. Yeah. Um, if, if you, (laughs) I'm, I'm honestly exhausted just talking about all of them. I can't imagine how exhausted you are. When are we talking to my
0: SpaceX project? No, I'm just kidding.
3: (laughs) Um, Uh, we have about 17 more things to get up. Um, so music business TV, what, yeah
1: tell us about M- that Mubu how that TV.
0: Got yeah Mubu TV music business television is something that me and my partner Rich Ezra which he's another he's a heavyweight in the music industry as far as I'm concerned he'll never admit to that but uh, he used to be a former A&R guy for Arista he worked with Whitney Houston and he worked under Clive Davis and you know really great guy in the industry and uh, I've always been a was a big fan of his and uh, I approached him uh, one day about us working together actually on the Symbiotic Nation project but what ended up evolving out of those conversations was this idea of Mubu TV, which was something that, uh, again, getting back to educating musicians, because I'm a real big proponent of education and, and people empowering themselves, uh, we thought about putting together this uh, channel. And so the idea, it's a YouTube channel now. We're getting ready to launch a podcast uh, in the near future. Uh, but we want to create the next CNN for the music industry is the only way I can explain it. It's right. uh, something to where... It would be a news, there'll be a news component to it, but the bigger part of it is the uh, educational part of it. So we're working with another partner now that uh, we're gonna be making some announcements soon, but there's an app that's gonna be coming out like for iOS and all that stuff where people can download content. and. Uh, Basically, what we're doing is making it affordable for musicians, because now if you try to go to like a Berkeley and, and not to knock any of those schools, they're all great because I went to one of them. But a lot of these programs have become so cost prohibitive to people that they just can't do it. And so what we're doing is trying to create an alternative way to where people can learn from real world people that are in the industry right now and doing the day to day and teaching them about, OK, publicity. Well, here's a whole block of lessons about how to do publicity, how right. to create your press release, how to get out there, how to get your you know headshots, your your, your photos done and publicity shots. So it's a. It's a great thing. We have this series called The Insider Series where we've been interviewing all the top people in the music industry. And, you know, you can find it on YouTube. And, yeah, it's, it's really well, great. What was it called when we had? Uh, Mubu TV Music... No, uh, the, the, oh, The YouTube. Insider yeah. Series. And oh, basically, Insider it's too. almost okay. like... uh, It's almost like if you can think, but it's not James... He he reminds me of James Lipton because he's just very well-spoken. Mm-hmm. And he's a huge movie movie fan, my partner. And so he does most of the interviews I've done. I've started... We've, this is like our seventh season now that we've had. So oh, wow. we're... uh we're getting ready to release a bunch of new videos. And so there's a few videos that I've been involved with interviewing a lot of the guests. So I got to interview a lot of people in the world of rock and and hard rock. We got to interview like, Guys from Lincoln Park and all that stuff. Oh, that's so, fantastic. Yeah, so it should be really cool. That's going to be coming. That's soon. awesome. So, yeah. uh,
3: so to kind of wrap this section up. Um, yep. Any? Uh, uh, we'll break this kind of question up into questions. Um, any tips for people wanting to get in the music industry as performers? Uh, any, any kind of last minute second tips?
0: Yeah, I would say just network like crazy, and and you know, the minute depending on where it is that you're from, you don't necessarily have to come to L. A for me it was what worked uh there's bands and artists that are getting discovered from everywhere but i'm from the school and ilk of people going to where where it's at and you know either if you're doing country you go to nashville you can go to the music industry if you're doing pop as well to rock and and new york but la is where it's happening now a lot of people you know i I know a lot of things happen too in cycles with actors where people were moving to new york a lot It, it happens all in cycles now we're in this cycle where everybody's coming back to LA, and and I think even for movies and stuff, you guys are having a big resurgence because mm-hmm. they're making it more friendly for for people to mm-hmm. you know get you know kickbacks for their movies and stuff. So I would say network like crazy, uh, collaborate with as many musicians as you can, and and network, cause you never know who that person's gonna be. They could you know they could be running a label, or the the band could have gotten signed, and you could be opening up for them on their tour. So I would just say network.
3: Absolutely. And and for those wanting to get in the management side, any tips for them?
0: Yeah. Uh, the same thing. I would just read a lot of, there's a lot of great books now on the subject to where you can read. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a couple of networks I know here in LA uh, that they have events for, for managers and stuff like that. And so I think it's just you know it's just educating yourself and just consuming yourself with it and I would say read Billboard you know all the trade magazines and there's a lot of stuff that you can get online now too. Uh, Leftsits letter Bob Lefsetz. I don't know if you guys have heard of Bob Lefsetz. he's mm-hmm. he's a real big influential guy in the uh, in the music industry he he writes these uh, pieces that just talk about what's happening in the world of music film everything but he's a, he's a music business guy. But uh, I mean, this guy just really writes some really great stuff. And what's his thing called? Uh, Bob Lefsatz. Okay. And the name of the uh, piece that he writes is The Lefsatz Letter. And you can sign up for that online.
3: Oh, fantastic. Uh, yeah. do, you, do you mind staying for a little bit longer? We can chat about LA. And, oh, hell no. And- I'm leaving right now.
0: <laughs> I thought we really had some. This is chapter one. I thought we had like did no I just more get to broken bro- up with. You did? <laughs> did the night, is just break over. up
3: with? Guys, I can't. <laughs> Um. No. Q, no, no, no. Q breakup song. Q break up song. No. Michael, why are you leaving too? Uh, no. Thank you so much for hanging out and talking about your, your career and where you've been been and where you're going. I Truly appreciate that. And thank
0: you guys for what you guys are doing. I think this is a great show and a great way to kind of get the word out for people. So it's well,
3: thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, we'll definitely we'll hang out. We'll talk a little bit longer. We'll come back with that. Cool. Uh, but for right now, back to Daniel and Michael in the studio.
1: and welcome back everyone that was an incredible interview and uh, the music my goodness Uh, so we just were listening to The Great Pretend and before the interview you heard a clip from Karma both were songs from Disciples of Babylon's debut EP entitled Welcome to Babylon so you can definitely check that online right now but let's unpack Act 1 a little bit and talk about it so in case you didn't realize Eric is the true definition of the Hollywood hustle. I mean, to the point that he created different personalities in a way to push his career forward. That was one of my favorite parts of the interview when he talked about being his own band manager and calling different venues and pretending to be the band manager when it was just him. But I think that was the instance that made him realize I don't need to have a separate band manager to do this. I can just do it all on my own, and I think that is such an admirable thing to be able to do, to really just physically take on that concept of the do-it-yourself mantra, the DIY. I think that is so great. As an actor, I think, I've heard stories of actors representing themselves by creating their own agency. I don't know how widely used that technique is, but if you are your own agent, I'd love to hear from you in case just uh, send us a message. I just thought it was incredible how through it all, he just kept pushing forward. You know, something that he touched on as well was that when he did move to LA and that relationship he was in didn't go the way he, was, he had hoped and he went through that depression, how he was able to get out of that by focusing on himself and going back into his creativity, because part of that depression was that period of time that he spent not doing music. And I think it's so easy as an artist in this town, and I know it happens to me all the time. I I recognize that the times in which I feel the most pent up or the most on edge, it's oftentimes because I'm not doing what I should be doing, which for me is acting the days sometimes in which I don't have acting class, I, I notice I start to get a little bit more tense and I think it's just because I need to go back in and just be in that state of practice. And I think it's a very similar thing to what Eric went through and that many of us do, which is when you don't practice the thing that you love doing, it's easy to get frustrated and it's easy to get down on oneself. But then look at Eric and see how you can live your passion fully. He launched Persistent Management uh, Symbiotic Records, Boo TV, and Disciples of Babylon on all concepts and things fully realized and all focusing on the dream of empowering artists. And I think it's so great that he really wants this band to succeed, not for the success of himself, but for his fellow band members. As he described, so many of his band members come from different countries. They are immigrants themselves. And I think it's... I think it's just so great that here's this guy who just wants other artists to do well and that he is willing to help, to be that hand to help you get your first step up. You know, as Eric said, if you have any questions about pursuing your dream, you know, whether it's a musician or anything like that, feel free to reach out to him and see if he can point you in the right direction. And his email again is eric at persistentmanagement.com. Also remember to follow us on our social media, Facebook and Instagram at Hollywood Hustle Podcast, and on Twitter at LA Hustlecast. As always, you know, if you have any questions or thoughts about what you heard on the podcast today, and if or if you're an actor who's also repping yourself, please email us at Hollywood Hustle Podcast at gmail.com. Now coming up on our next episode, I get to join the conversation where we discuss the power of music and what its impact has on our culture as well as the continued focus on empowering artists as well as our favorite music spots to check out in los angeles and special thanks of course to persistent management and symbiotic records for letting us play disciple of babylon's karma and the great pretend in this episode we are so excited to present to you this band's new song freedom recorded by eric knight ramon blanco guy Bodhi, and chris toller so Everyone enjoy freedom and always remember to keep up the hustle. episode of Hollywood Hustle Podcast was hosted by Daniel Tuttle and produced with Michael Lutheran. Kel Torados is our sound engineer and Mike Tobias edited our website. For more information about the show, visit our website, hollywoodhustlepodcast.com.